Good morning, everyone. It is Dr. Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist here on behalf of the Richard Listens Show. Going strong and believe we are coming into our sixth year in recording. So this is exciting and we appreciate all of you who've been signing up for the newsletters. Go to the richardlistens.com website, put in your email address. You can get our monthly blog. Check out my most recent take on Valentine's Day and getting back out there in the endemic uh, dating and putting yourself back out there to reconnect. Today, I have President's Day version podcast with my guest, Charlene Madden. Today, we will focus on the uncomfortable experience of domestic violence and how to live and create your message beyond. My guest today, Charlene Madden, she has spent most of her life living in and through tremendous darkness. She's lived through sexualized trauma, domestic violence, and three decades of mental illness. She has overcome suicidality. She has begun to take off her blinders, begin the healing process, and find her purpose by turning her mess into a message of hope, evolution, and transformation that she now shares with people all over the world. <laughs> That's her term, not mine. From mess to message is the slogan. Uh, Charlene's a mother of three amazing children. She's a wife, a daughter, a Reiki practitioner, and a women's empowerment coach. I'm curious to hear about how she uses these modalities on herself and others to overcome the impact of trauma. She wants to discuss living through and rising above trauma and how finding purpose can not only improve your life, but can also save it. In just a few moments, we'll be welcoming in Charlene Madden. I want to thank all of you again for staying tuned, for liking, sharing, subscribing podcasts as this medium grows and becomes one way to keep ourselves connected to learning, growing, challenging ourselves, no matter what's going on, no matter what feeling of stuckness we may be experiencing. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for your loyal patronage. As promised, we welcome joining us today, Charlene Madden. Thank you for being with us on the Richard Listens podcast. Thank you for you having today? me. Yeah, I'm excellent. Thank you. What do we have behind you? What is the uh, symbol for all the listeners? That is, uh, that's my workshop logo, the workshop I created. So that's my backdrop keeps me remembering to keep rising up. So that's amazing. I need, we need a little bit of that today, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of inspiration. I hear you're a Reiki practitioner. So I you am. Know, I've been having some back tightness. So just send all the healing waves. Does it work over Zoom? Uh, well, I, I've never done it over Zoom, but I could try. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, thank you for being out there, for being an advocate. It's not always the most comfortable topic in therapy, or you know, to talk about domestic violence, about suicidality, about sexual trauma. But you've managed to, as you said, turn your mess into a message. Where would you like to begin? Where Where do you stand right now? Your company and and uh, motivating others and inspiring them? Well, like you said, I kind of decided that I was going to after everything I had experienced and the pivotal point in my life where I was just two days away from um, committing suicide to attending a women's workshop and hearing uh, three stories that just completely changed my life. It created a realization that I didn't have to let my past define me. I didn't have to let the struggles I had experienced continue to keep holding me back that I could use it as a platform to bring awareness and to try and end the stigma of childhood sexualized trauma to uh, mental health and suicidal ideology uh, and domestic violence. I could use everything that I had experienced and go out and help 
impact other lives. So that's kind of what I did after that weekend. I went forward and it was, you know, I always talk about self-love. That was the pillar of of making the change in my life was was finally learning that I could just love myself. I wasn't dependent on receiving that validation from other people. And when I made that shift, everything in my life started to fall into place. And it was, I, I always say it was funny. It was like the universe was going, finally, we've been waiting for you to, to figure this out. So I published a book of poetry that I had written during my darkest times. I um, went and, like you said, I got my Reiki practitioner. Uh, I met and married the man of my dreams. I uh, started my own coaching business where I can help other women rise out of their struggles that they've had. And I created the workshop, which is the, the logo that you were talking about. So I created a platform just like the one that had impacted my life so that I could bring other speakers in as well as myself so we can let people know that, you know, you're not alone in your struggles. And, you know, it, it sometimes feels overwhelming and that you're all alone, but you're never alone with what you're experiencing. So that's kind of where my focus is now, just creating the biggest ripples in this pond that we're in. So yeah, I want to go back to the story and to the origins a little bit. But right now, tell us about the workshop. How often does it run? Where are they located? Um, are they only in person or are they also virtual? Um, the first year, so I've only ran it two years. So the first year was live, but of course we were coming right into our year, our Lord year of COVID. So <laughs> I managed to squeak it in. Uh, the second one, I just held it virtually, which I wasn't sure because I know the impact you get of attending live events. But I also understood that I could reach far more people by doing it virtually. So I only hold the event once a year. I do it usually the second weekend in November. So um, and the event is called Ignite Your Life. So that uh, it's uh, if you're looking for something to do in November and want some impact in your life, then uh, check it out on Facebook and, and see if it's something that interests you. So right, is your Facebook page, are you drawing other victims, people who are looking for meaning, inspiration? support? How are they finding you? I do my reach outs with my pod, podcasting, do a lot of stuff on social media. I have a couple uh, pages and I just kind of try to reach out there. I do anytime anybody wants to do any local speaking or any other speaking engagements, then I just try to, to get in there and, and just share the message that there is hope during uh, during the dark times. So Yeah. So you know, I'm a curious soul. So how do you get from two days away from wanting to end your life. I mean, what kind of stigmas were you facing and, and what was it in those stories that you heard that somehow unlocked a different path for you? Well, like I said, when I went to the workshop, I didn't really want to go. I went because a coworker and a friend of mine was kind of putting the pressure on me to go. I had learned long time ago to master my emotions on the external front. So people weren't really aware of what I was experiencing and going through. I was really good at, at that facade, keeping that facade up. So I didn't want her to know that I was struggling. So I just kind of went along with, okay, fine, I'll go. So I went on a Saturday and I actually had, I had my hunting rifle in the back seat of my car. So that was my plan was Monday morning, I was going and taking my life. So I say that when I walked into this room full of women, I actually kind of felt sick to my stomach because I felt like I didn't belong there. I'm watching all these women and they're so excited and they're, you know, they're talking about their goals and their dreams. And I'm thinking to myself, my goal is just to get through the next two days so I can end it all. So I can just, you know, let go of all this pain that I'm holding on to. 
And I listened to the first couple speakers and, you know, I didn't relate at all. They were talking about finances and health and well-being. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to be an issue with me very much, you know, in very few hours. And then I had a speaker come on stage and she was bald as a baby's butt. She has alopecia, so she's lost all of her hair. And she stood on the stage and she started talking about self-love. And I'm thinking to myself, I can hear this little voice in the back of my head and it says, what about you? And I thought, yeah, what a difference my life would have been had I learned to just love myself. You know, I didn't grow up with my parents. I went through nine years of sexual abuse at the hands of my grandfather. So I didn't have any and then went into, you know, a a dysfunctional relationship where I went through domestic violence for 13 years. So I didn't have any idea of what love was, let alone self-love. So to me, listening to her talk, I was like, wow, you know, how different things could be if I could only learn to love myself. Kind of just brushed it off after that. Next speaker gets up and she talks about living with mental health and depression and then how she had struggled for 20 years and how she had learned to accept it as being a part of her. And instead of trying to fight against it, she embraced it and gave herself love and grace and, you know, just learned to live with this as as part of her life. And again, I'm hearing that little voice in the back of my head. And it's like, what about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, how different could my life be if I didn't let this mental illness just drag me down into the dark instead of, you know, trying to fight it. I just accepted that, hey, this is the way it is. I I know I'm I'm dealing with this. Here's what I can do to cope with it. Here's the skills I can I need to learn and I can learn. And then the next speaker gets on stage and it's a gentleman and he's talking about living with depression and how he had struggled, you know, for quite a few years through injury and and wanting to die and how he was working to find the perfect mix of pain medication and alcohol so that he could overdose and make his suicide look like an accident because he was in the life insurance business and he knew what the requirements were. And he talks about how it happened to be one night where he got a visitation with his kids, which happened so seldomly. And he happened, that happened to be the night that he found that perfect mix and how he was laying on his couch, slowly dying as his children were in the house with him. And he heard that little voice in the back of his head that said, no, not, not like this. This isn't, we can't go like this. And he listened to that voice. He got up, he called 911, got help and he got clean and sober. And he realized that what he was experiencing was the same thing other people were experiencing. And he wanted to go out and share his stories to give hope and end the stigma. Now he's finishing his story. And that little voice that's in the back of my head is basically screaming at me now. And it's like, what about you? And it was like, I was just sitting there and it was almost like I could feel the walls starting to crack. And I realized that everything he had gone through, he was using for good. He was taking his crappy situation that he he had experienced in his life and he was sharing it to give hope to other people and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking this is this is it you're here for a reason if you could love yourself you could accept that part of you and you could take these struggles and you could go out there and share it with other people and give them hope that they can create a new life that then that is why we're here this is why we've you know experienced everything and it was in that exact that moment that I decided, no, this is it. Like, uh, there's no going back. I choose life today. And that's that's what I did. And I just never stopped. I kept going, kept going forward. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Charlotte. I mean, how do we describe this, right? Because we, we know 
sometimes these chance encounters or like you said, the seminar that you're not supposed to be at or, you know, like we hear this message that somehow resonates with us and gives mm -hmm. us exactly what we've been lacking for so long. Well, and I, yeah. and I think we hear we hear the messages, but it has to be at the right time as well. Like I knew I knew other people suffered from mental health and, and depression. And I knew other people didn't, you know, dealt with self love issues and, and were suicidal. I knew that I mean, I had had the, the partner that I was in the domestic abuse relationship with uh, just the year before took his own life. So I had experienced both ends of the spectrum. I had, you know, lost someone to it and I had been that person and I dealt with uh, a lot of the anger. And this is the one thing I talk about in my story is that um, after he took his own life, you know, two weeks after I started getting really angry. And I remember sitting with a really good friend of mine and she's like, it's okay. Anger is part of the stages of grief. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not angry. He took his own life. I'm angry. He did it first. And it was like, because then I felt like my opportunity had, had been robbed because I was left to see all the pieces that needed to be picked up afterwards. You know, and my children had lost, you know, their stepdad of 13 years. I was like, no, I can't do that to my kids. How cruel would that be? But that's complicated you know, trauma in so many ways. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, is, and does it leave any, there's no opportunity for reconciliation or confrontation. It's almost like abandonment wound on top of the trauma. Exactly. It was, it was probably the, the most official way that you can abandon someone and I mean and that was my thinking with my kids as well was that had I you know feeling the, the issues of abandonment that I grew up with as a child and then realizing that if I committed suicide I was doing it to my my children as well and that's the ultimate right like there's no coming coming back from that so and that so how realization do you handle that Charlene as a mom I mean I know it's so personal but it's like right on the one hand you're dealing with there's, un, there's unresolved traumatic experience. On the other hand, your kids are going through grief mm. and that's their parent. How do you balance that? Yeah, I probably didn't do it in the healthiest and best ways, you know, because I didn't have the tools to do it at the time. I did, and I probably taught them to do what I had done. And that was just to kind of bury my head in the sand and just keep plugging along through life. Like, you know, it's like, okay, this happened. We got to keep going, you know, because I had never, I didn't give myself time to break down so, you know, they see me just plugging along. So they think that that's what they have to do. Just keep plugging along. So, yeah, that's that survival instinct, mm -hmm. which is so strong. And that's where they... the generational trauma keeps coming in, right? Like we just keep passing it, passing it down, right? So, right, right. And that's the thing I tell a lot of my, my clients is, right, it's adaptive to survive. We have to do what we have to do to get through something that's that painful. Did their curiosity, did they start to ask questions about mental health or? What was that like for you when they started to ask questions about why he took his life? You know what? The, they never really asked those questions. I'm trying to think. My son was 15 at the time, 14 maybe at the time. Uh, his sister was 17 and then my oldest was 19. So she was already gone and, and moved on. So And the unfortunate thing was that my own children, especially my daughters, were struggling with their own mental health issues. So probably didn't help them in dealing with it because there wasn't any open dialogue and again you know tried to set up counseling but you know we we learned the lessons of our parents sometimes too well so they were like i'm fine i'm fine you know right and that's where you say when we're finally stepping into our own journey of self-love and self-healing it's, it's not easy to always give that to your child 
Exactly. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. Because you don't have it yourself. You haven't had it. Exactly. And it's, it's funny that sometimes we actually, we can teach it to them, but we're not practicing it ourselves, you know, because I did, you know, I always, you know, taught my daughters to, you know, you need to love yourself. Don't, you know, all the lessons that I was echoing from my own, you know, trauma, I was echoing out to them. It's like, no, you know, you don't need anybody else. You know, you look after yourself, which is probably not, I like I always say, my grandmother taught me that lesson to be strong and independent. I learned it a little too well because I never reached out and asked, you know, for help. So, but uh, I've, you know, tried to let my daughters know that uh, I'm, I'm pretty transparent and honest with them now about the struggles that I've experienced and the things I've gone through. And, and I always tell them, it's like, you know, like, listen to the podcasts. If you have any questions, reach out, you know, if there's anything you're not clear on that I'm talking about, you know, or you remember it differently, then, you know, reach out and talk to me about it. So right, the million, the minute you open up that there is a space for processing and for being confused or for feelings to come up and that's okay. You just got to open that door a little crack sometimes. That's all. So, yeah. So talk to us. How did you come and find Reiki? Maybe explain to some of my listeners that don't know that modality and uh, how you apply it to healing. I looked at Reiki actually in my early to mid twenties. It had always been something that I was curious about. I kind of questioned spirituality in my younger years. I always seemed to be on a search for a higher power, a higher source. And uh, I didn't grow up religious, didn't really attend church very much, went a little more once I had my own children, but never felt anything that truly fit, that didn't feel right. So once I moved out to British Columbia, which is where I live now, I, about two years after I lived out here, I started experiencing severe body pain, fatigue, brain fog, and got, ended up getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So I started to become, after researching fibromyalgia, I started to become really aware of my body, the things I put into my body at the time, diet wise, and um, looked for other ways for treating the pain because I knew that medication was a slippery slope for me. I didn't want the pills in the household because of my mental illness. I just didn't want to have access to that. So I needed to search out and find uh, other ways to, of working to heal the pain. So, and I, you know, I, I dabbled and looked at different things and it was actually a lady who came to my very first workshop was a Reiki practitioner. She's a Reiki master. So after the workshop, I contacted her and, and started questioning about her, questioning her about the modality and, and uh, she offered to do some training with me. So I went and did my Reiki one and two certifications with her to just basically to do my own self-treatment. I didn't look at it for anything outside of that in the beginning. Um, I just wanted to find a way to to deal with my own body pain and minimize it as much as possible. And then finding the impact that it had on my life and then doing, starting to do the coaching, I realized that body pain, of course, is just a reflection of what we're dealing with emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Um, it just manifests in the body. So I knew that it could go hand in hand with all of the other treatment services, the coaching and uh, the stuff that I was doing. So, and if you don't know what Reiki is, it's just that we're all made of energy. There's energy all around us and uh, all Reiki is, it's just um, channeling 
the uh, the energy. So basically, I just become like a lightning rod, basically for the energy. It just flows into me, and you know, I through hand mo- motions and hand placements, it just send the healing energy into the into the person. So I can. Yeah, and it's very powerful because with any kind of trauma, right, it gets stored in the body, right? Exactly. As I'm, as I'm sitting here re-experiencing my my back pain, it only comes up mm-hmm. at certain times. <laughs> Only right. Yeah, and people, people don't, you know, people don't realize that the, you know, like we think this pain is is something. It's related to something else, and you know, and it's like when you get really honest and start looking at what you're uh, what you're experiencing on your day to day basis. That's why I love journaling, and I, you know, all my clients, I'm like, okay, I, you guys need to journal because you'll start to see connections and everything that's going on. So right, uh, there's not a client that I don't tell to just start writing. Right, mm-hmm. a few minutes a day, very private, intimate way to just get closer to your thoughts and everything Absolutely. you're experiencing. Absolutely. I and I mean, and I struggled when I first started doing journaling, because to me, writing was something that I attached to the negative connotation of depression, because I wrote mostly when I was depressed. So when I first started sitting down and doing journaling, it was almost like my mind going, well, wait a minute, are we are we depressed? Are we supposed to be sad about something right now? You know, so I had to transition my mind to going, no, it's okay to write in the good times, not just the, the dark times. So but it's great for me because I, I deal with, especially with my fibromyalgia, I have a lot of brain fog and uh, I think I have a little ADHD going on. So I have, my mind is constantly going. So being able just to dump that out, amazing. It's amazing just to brain dump and get it out. So yes. Yeah. Do you, so do you also get your own treatment? Do you recommend it for practitioners? My uh, own Reiki, Reiki treatment? Yeah, Reiki. Yeah. I, I, I do Reiki on myself almost every day, depending on what's going on. So I just incorporate it into my morning routine. So I do a Reiki treatment, do a meditation, do a journaling. So I'm starting my day really grounded and balanced. So See, I'm not the only one. So is, mm-hmm. is, is it part of your self-care routine? Do you have, how do you keep the centeredness? How do you keep this quiet place where you're able to give healing to others? Yeah, just giving myself that time every day. If I don't, you know, sometimes my mornings are hectic and I've got, you know, things going on, a podcast starting early, so I don't necessarily get it, but I try to incorporate it at least at some point, either morning or night. And I really like to try to bookend my day a little bit, you know, like I'll start out with, you know, if I'm doing a journaling and I do a really quick three thing gratitude in the morning and then, you know, I gratitude at night. So I actually teach my clients to gratitude at night rather than in the morning. So I kind of do it backwards to them, but it's a fascinating practice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, sit down at the end of your day and just write down five things you're grateful for. I'm like, because you'll start looking for it throughout the day. You know, it's like, and when you start looking for it, you'll start to see it more. So that's part of, right, all this work in post-traumatic growth, right, and and Mm -hmm. resilience is about Mm -hmm. looking right. Even when you were in this situation, even when things were very tough, yeah, what, who, where were you going to? Who was giving you support? What was helping lift you up? Maybe there was something really special, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I tried to stay focused on, on, for me, on my kids. I always, you know, I've always been someone who wanted to serve other people, you know, and wanted to take care of other people. And that's probably my own inner child trauma coming out. You know, I wanted to, to save everybody else, you know, so my, my, depression started sinking back in when my kids were getting older and I knew my kids were going to be leaving. Who am I going to look after now? Right. It's just going to be me. And we know I haven't been taking care of me. So who do I do next? So, but uh, shifting to that, that self-love and self-care and knowing that 
you know, you are the person that you need to take care of, number one. So. It's it's the biggest lesson that comes up. A lot of my work uh, is with, with men, and my book is coming out uh, hopefully this month, uh, Awaken the Hero Within. But the concept of self-care and attending to yourself first, I feel like it's like the hardest thing because it means the mm-hmm. opposite of you're building relationships, growing in your work to a lot of people. It means like, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to remove myself. And that feels very yeah. threatening, feels like it's, where do I find that time? So a lot of the conversations that I'm having is about micro gestures, small amount of times, small mm-hmm. practices, gratitude practices. Mm-hmm. What have you find or found works best for a lot of the women that, that come to you and are just discovering healing? Well, I think understanding that, like I said, those are kind of my three um, three pillars that I work on is the self-love. And then, you know, I, I talk a lot about purpose and, and, you know, you throw the word purpose around and people think it needs to be something massive and it doesn't really. It's like purpose can be something so small as just being like the best mom that you can be or the best wife you can be or the best person to yourself. So trying to get women to shift their thought patterns from thinking that self-care is selfish and that self-love is selfish because, you know, we're taught that we're supposed to be caregivers and, and look after everybody else. And I say same with men. I mean, men are supposed to be the providers and provide for everybody else, but not provide for themselves. So trying to break those cultural, you know, paradigms that have been set up in their minds and go, you know what, it's number one, take care of yourself. So teaching them just the little habits that they can do during their daily basis, starting their day out, you know, kind of balanced if they're going through something, you know, get it out, write it out. If you have to come back to it, come back to it later, but just, you know, getting it out. So just understanding for me, teaching them, you know, starting out focusing on self-care and self-love. That's my, my anchor point, because I find that a lot of women that come in that I'm dealing with don't have that. So that's where we need to start because when they start loving themselves, they can set boundaries. They can start going after the things that they want to go after. So, so how do you come, you know, maybe just a little bit of time on to self-love and, and where does forgiveness and, you know, can you love yourself when you're still carrying this, this pain of a wound, right? How, how, how does it tie together? What, what steps or stages do you address that process? I think for me, understanding that forgiveness was for me, not for anybody else. I mean, the people, when I came to this point, my grandfather was already passed. So the uh, the going in and doing any conversations over that was, was off the table. My father had already passed. My mother is still alive. But I think one of the biggest things for me was, and probably the hardest person to forgive was myself. You know, forgiving other people was easier, forgiving myself for myself for, you know, the pain that I inflicted on my children's lives, the the choices that I made. But I think the biggest shift for me came when I understood that um, everybody's doing the best with the tools that they have. Um, I was doing the best I could as a mom at the time with what tools I had in my toolbox. My mom did the best that she could with the situation that she had and the skills that she had. My grandfather did the best he could with the coping skills that he had. And I think being able to look back on that and understanding um, everything, if you want to stop generational trauma, it starts with forgiving all the way around. 
And um, I, you know, that's a big decision for me because I swore it's like, no, it's got to stop at this generation. It can't keep, you know, passing on down the lines. So, you know, forgiveness is like I said, it's for you because not forgiving. And we, if we've all heard, well, I don't know if everybody's heard it, but, you know, not forgiving is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die right? The other person has probably gone on with their lives and they're not either even even thinking about you or, you know, thinking about the trauma like you are. So by you holding on to that, you're just reliving it constantly. And it's like, you're drinking that poison and you're the one that's suffering. So forgiveness is for you. Letting go is for you. So that's and I mean, a very I have, profound message. Yeah. yeah. And I have the best relationship with my mom now that I've ever had in in my life and part of that has come from you know forgiving and understanding that she did the best that she could so how were you able to get there was there get, a, did you have a, a any kind of family therapy or was there a process that brought together no no this was all work i did for uh, you know with me that was all my own self-worth and their work and like i said it was forgiving myself you know because when i when i said to myself you know i've done the best i could with what the skills i had i had to go well wait a minute you know, if I'm giving myself that grace, I owe that grace to someone else who's who's struggling and they're just doing the best that they can. You know, so it was the work was on me, not on, you know, on my mom. And and, you know, my mom came to my first workshop that, that we had and I'm sure she was a little uncomfortable sitting in the room as I'm talking about, you know, my life and all the traumas that I had experienced. But sure. um, at the end of it, she just came up to me and said, you know, I'm so I'm so proud of you for how strong you are. You know, so what was that like for you? It was okay. I had shifted from needing to me, like having her say she was proud of me was, you know, that's great. And I looked at that was for her, for her, like for me, I was like, I don't, I didn't need the validation. Like I had shifted. So, you know, I'm grateful that she, she was proud of me, but I was proud of myself. And really at the end of the day, that's, you know, that was all that mattered. I walked away going, you know, I did this. I've impacted lives. That's all that matters. So. And that's really beautiful about the ripple of healing because we don't know, right, who along the way we're going to inspire once we show that we're engaged in self-healing. Mm-hmm. They need well, when to I went the back, work for themselves. When I went back the following year after that, that first workshop that I attended, I went back and actually spoke the next year at the workshop. And uh, I remember saying just before I got off the stage that my goal is if I can share my story and just save one life it makes everything worthwhile, makes all the pain, all the heartache, all the years of trauma, it's all worthwhile, if I can save one person's life. And I was walking out of the room, and I had a woman approach me. And she said, you know how you said you wanted to save a life? She goes, I just want you to know today you did. And she turned and walked away. And it was like, I get I still I get goosebumps every time. And I've told that story, I don't know how many times. But the the first thing that popped into my head was, okay, who's next? You know, it's like, excellent. That's, you know, check that, that box is checked, but that got a little up your purpose. huh? Yeah. It's like, we got more work to do. There's a lot more people out there that are hurting and suffering. So let's, let's go. So, so talk to me to. about your, your mission right now. How do you get the message of hope, evolution and transformation out there about your organization through your podcast? Uh, how's it manifesting right now? Yeah, I just actually started this whole podcasting thing is really relatively new for me. I've uh, I just really started doing podcasts this year. I've never spoken. I've done a half dozen live events. So for me, it's just any opportunity that I have to 
speak to someone. And I mean, I've, I've got people that'll come, you know, come in and to my work and, and I'll, you know, they're like, Oh, what are you up to this week? And I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I'm talking on some podcasts and they're like, what are you talking about? Well, let me tell you, (laughs) like I, any opportunity I have. It's a great conversation starter, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, and to me, it's just spreading awareness, you know, like the more I talk about it, the more I feel like we're taking the stigma away from it. It's like, you know, because I feel I see the discomfort in people when I talk about, you know, my struggles with mental illness, like it's I see their discomfort, I have no discomfort in it. And it's like, I want to get to the point where I can have a conversation with someone and there's no discomfort there, that it's just, you know, it's it's become a okay to talk about subject with people. So that's my that's my goal. So just reaching out, getting the message out to as many people worldwide as I can. Um, you know, I try to post on Facebook every day, trying to put some some positivity out there to start people's days out with. I let people know at all times, and I say this during every podcast I talk on, that if someone's ever feeling in a dark place, find me on Facebook, message me. I will sit in the dark with anybody as long as they need me to, and I will be there to lift them up into the light. I don't want anyone to ever feel alone in what they're experiencing, you know, male, female, whatever. And if you want to use a name, for any of these, you know, the options that are available virtually, and you don't want to use your own name, I'm like, put my name down, use my name. I, you know, like, I just want people to get access to resources and get the help that that they need, because they're worth it. So. Wow, that is uh, very inspiring and beautiful. Why don't you, as a good plug right now, tell everyone, yeah, how to reach you, uh, how do you prefer to be re- reached professionally? <laughs> I don't know if you want everyone Facebook messaging, but if so. <laughs> um well like i said only if you're in that spot can you know um you can reach out to me i'm on uh facebook uh charlene madden speaker author women's empowerment coach uh you can contact me on my workshop page ignite your life i'm on instagram it's usually facebook is the easiest and the quickest way to uh to get a hold of me because i'm I'm seeing those notifications all the time. So Yeah. But I love what you said in a, in a really profound way that when we don't carry the stigma forward, if we can find the strength and nobody's saying that's easy because it's like speaking a language you've never been shown. Mm-hmm. And if we don't experience safety in talking about a mental health issue or a traumatic experience, then we will continue to survive as we said at the mm-hmm. outset of the show right we will keep yeah. it buried down and cut closed off because it's not safe so when you as a speaker says it's okay when, when we don't display those limitations or fears we open up an entirely new space absolutely and i hope you know at the the end of this pandemic more more people i know it's been triggering in a lot of ways brought up all kinds of out of control feelings that uh mm-hmm. you know healing is an answer that there's more that turn towards connection healing and, and finding some of those resources and, and they reach out to you. What, tell us more. Uh, when, when can people find it's only in November, your conference. So what do we do for six months, eight months, 10 months? Um, yeah, I do. I do one-on-one coaching. So if anybody's looking, they want to work together. Um, I have a couple different coaching programs that, uh, that I offer. So that's usually. Right, tell uh, us about, tell us about those. Yeah. Um, I offer what's called the Rise and Shine coaching program. So it's the Phoenix is, a, as, you, as you can tell by my logo, the Phoenix is is a very symbolic 
for me and I think a lot of people it's like you know I've risen up from the ashes of where I was to now I'm I'm blazing into my future so I want to work with people on uh, kind of letting go of some of these beliefs that they've been hanging on to that have been uh, holding them back you know discovering what you're passionate about and what your purpose really is and how you can start stepping into that life so amazing yeah I love it so the rise and shine is that it's like a daily morning process uh, it'll be a weekly, it's a, a 90 day coaching program that I run. So, so, and again, it starts whenever, whenever it fits for the clients. So any um, tips or resources, if there's someone listening out there going through this kind of experience in their relationship or in their family, any, any resources to keep them from feeling, you know, alone or in the dark? Well, like I said, just knowing that you're not alone. And I mean, we all, we, we know that, but the one thing I learned about the pan- pandemic that this has taught me is that um, we have access to a lot of support online. There are so many organizations that will offer virtual counseling, that will offer virtual coaching, uh, just virtual support. There's support groups all over the internet. So find someone because a lot of us don't have or didn't have the support in the family. And it's not something that you necessarily feel comfortable talking to your friends about because that you feel like they can't relate whatsoever. But find someone that you can talk to, because when you don't, that's where, you know, the darkness really starts to set in. We feel alone. And and like you said, with this pandemic, connection is so important. And we have lost so much of that during everything that's been going on. So just find a way to connect with someone that you can be open and honest with, who's not going to judge, who will just, you know, sit and hold space for you while you, you know, whatever you're going through. So find yourself someone. There's lots of people out there to help. So it's true. It's it's really true. And I know how real that feeling is when you're feeling isolated, and disconnected. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I just, I just want to scream to my clients, you know, yeah, just get in relationship with people. If there's any place to give your time or energy, if it is volunteering, if it is at a mental health clinic, if it is at a hospital, anyway, if it's with dogs, animals, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Just getting around others, being in relationship starts to open up the channels for support, right? Mm-hmm. We give ourselves a chance. Uh, it's not your fault. It's not your burden to have to hold all onto That's yourself. Right. Well, thank you so much for making time for us, Charlene, for the work you do, for your resilience, for being brave enough to say, Whenever you arrive at that space, you arrive there and it's okay mm-hmm. and you're okay and it's not your fault. Please leave us in closing how, uh, you know, uh, again, your Facebook page, the uh, empowerment page, any way that women uh, or families can reach out to you if they think mm-hmm. you might be a resource. Well, first, let me say thank you for what you do, because I wouldn't be able to go out and share my story without platforms like yours. You're doing amazing work. And I always like to let, you know, my podcast hosts know that we couldn't be reaching the people. So the impact that you're creating is creating ripples that you will probably never know. So if anybody needs to reach out to me again, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Charlene Madden, speaker and author. Uh, You can find my workshop on Facebook at Ignite Your Life. Reach out. And uh, if you want to do any coaching or you just need someone to talk to, reach out. Well, thank you again, Charlene Madden, Reiki practitioner, empowerment coach for women, and check out her seminar program coaching course, Ignite Your Life. 
I'm grateful to Charlene and those who share their stories, their resilience, their strength with us and help inspire us to continue to do more and be more. And I want to thank her for her gift of reminding me of the ripple that we all are in each other's lives from simple acts of connection, pick up a call, send a text, reach out to someone we have not spoken to in a while and continue to bring your care to yourself first. Gratitude practices, healing allowing your body to heal and not have to hold the pain of yourselves and the generations that come before is one way to begin to heal and to let go of what has come before you. This is Richard Olberger. Please check me out on Instagram at Richard Listens or go to richardlistens.com for further information on working with me. If you or a loved one uh, need help, please reach out and let us know how to direct you for support. Take care, everyone. Happy President's Day. And thank you for listening and supporting our show. I'm Richard Listens. And I'm out.